podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of F1, including first team to suffer the effects of the cost cap, it's the Grand Prix weekend at Baku, comments made by the FIA president, battle for F1's US media rights, and more details about the new F1 manager game. Hello, my name is Roy Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds Podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race Podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to Formula Nerds Podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race Podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Hello, and welcome to News from the Nerds, the week new show from the Formula Nerds. Now, we will be running through all the news in the run-up to Baku this weekend, and I'm joined by two of my best friends in the world of F1. We have Sam. How's it going, Sam? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad. Good to be back after a trip to the UK and a move, which has been pretty okay overall. A bit mixed. You know about that, Sam. I won't bore with the listener with it. <laughs> I, I do, I do. I mean, okay for a move is pretty good in relative terms. So you've, you know, done well there. Yeah, true. Uh, and also, we have James. Now, this will be the first show with two Jameses on, and we're going to have to sort this out. So, I can become known as Kenzie, or become known by the name Kenzie, if that works. James, what do you think? I think that also works, James, yes. Kenzie, sorry. <laughs> I mean, immediately, it, it's gone straight away, it's gone wrong. Hello, I'm not James. Um, but also for the for the younger listeners who aren't millennials, um, by Kenzie, James is referring to a a member of a squad called a uh, member of a band called Blazing Squad. Uh, so check them out. Check them out because uh, you might recognise one of them from Love Island as well, Marcel. <laughs> yeah, see, we're, we're relevant. It's a relevant nickname. It's not fifteen years out of date. Yeah, I, I share the uh, the exact same name as a member of that rap pop group and my friends when I was a teenager found that out and nicknamed me Kenzie. So yeah, let's let's go with that. So Kenzie, the newsreader, not the rapper, will get things underway with the news that the cost cap has claimed its first victim. Now who do we think it was? Mercedes? Red Bull? Ferrari maybe? No, it was Williams. The team currently last in the constructors and who finished eighth last year it's the first outfit to receive a fine for a breach of the cost cap regulations. So seemingly they missed the 31st of March deadline to submit their 2021 accounts and they'd informed the FIA of the issue ahead of time. So not a case of spending too much, but nonetheless, the first team to be punished under the regulations since they were introduced last year. So will they be the first of many? I think they will be. Uh, I think it's quite impressive that Williams have managed to uh, to break the, cross, the cost cap, but you know, here we are. Um, yeah, I think there'll be a fair few to to fall as well. I think that some of the other victims will be more higher profile and it'd be larger amounts. $25,000 isn't going to break the balance. You might just have to lay off a, a junior member of staff, unfortunately. Yeah, with you, I don't see what Williams has done as being particularly, you know, uh, highbrow. As more time goes on, 
I mean, I mean, Red Bull have already been very open to, and said that you know they expect teams to they maybe need to skip races uh, as the season goes on, which was quite a dramatic statement. Uh, I don't think we'll know how the cost cap is affecting the teams probably until next year. Personally, I don't see people skipping races, but I I do see that maybe uh, some things will come out of the woodwork maybe in twenty twenty three regarding this year in the same way that Williams have for you know for, for last year. Uh, I, I, I think this, this could get spicy. It's just, it's just a question of how spicy, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, you say about uh, Horner's comments on that. I think it feels like posturing. Uh, we'll we'll see. I, I agree. I don't think teams will miss full races. Surely that would just be very poor. I like. I know that the the freight expenses and whatnot are going up, and you'd hope that that will be addressed. But surely there's gonna it's not going to get to a point where. We're we're approaching the the end of the season, and it's as exciting as it was last year. And then, oh no, sorry, uh, Red Bull can't make it, so Charles the champion. We're what like a matter of minutes in, and we've already had a, our first hive mind moment. I was literally about to say <laughs> it's just of political course. posturing from Horner, um, and yeah, it's basically him just trying to basically lobby to get the the cap raised because the big teams know the higher the cap for them the more the advantage, as Gunter Steiner has rightly pointed out this week. I mean, F1 does not want another repeat of Indy 2005. That's the last time politics went so far that a race was a race start was effectively missed and a race was completely mucked up. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's political posturing, but they know they have limits to what they can do this time round. F1 knows that they can never go back to that again. Uh, I can remember watching that race. It was awful to watch. And I don't think teams... I think teams have moved on a lot since, since since that period. And it would be ridiculous if we get to the stage where Red Bull say, oh, I can't turn up. The damage you'll do is just to your reputation and to Formula One would be massive. Oh, completely. I actually remember, remember the 2005 race quite fondly because I remember being really excited about the prospect of a Jordan and Minardi podium, which was guaranteed before the race. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, Tiago Montero. What, yeah. what a man. Claimed fame. I love so that was... he like he just went for it. I love that he was just like full celebrating. Oh, completely. I mean, he was up against Carthy Kane yeah. as a teammate. Yeah. And a couple of Minardis. So maybe it wasn't the, the, the even within the context of the race wasn't a result in itself. But I was he was he Portugal's only ever yeah. Or first podium finisher? I don't know. He so. Yeah, he's the only one. I mean, he could. I mean, he could. He could have won the race if the Ferraris had collided. Because they nearly collided after the yeah, time. Can of you themselves. imagine? Can you imagine what would have happened then? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The I'm podium pro- of what? Uh, Montero, Cartagena, and then Albers or Freesacker. I want to say was it Patrick Freesacker? <sighs> Freesacker. I can't even remember how to say it. I'm not sure, but I, I seem to recall that race didn't have any overtakes on track. Um, which again, not surprising when there's six cars. A race, however, that will have more than six cars is going to be the 2022 Azerbaijan Grand Prix. So as we know, we're going back to Baku for both F1 and F2 this weekend. So there's quite a lot to unpack going into the the F1 weekend. Um, Ricardo has come under a lot of fire this week for his underperformance this year. Damon Hill, in fact, just today has kind of come out and said that he compares it to his 1999 season. I'm keen to hear what you guys, as fellow oldies, think about that, because I think that's quite harsh. 
I really don't agree with Damon on that. When Damon was racing in 1999, he tried to leave halfway through the season. I think he was ahead of the British Grand Prix. And I believe it was actually Williams that convinced him to stay on. Um, I could be wrong there. But he, he was done with Formula One by that point. And Danny Rick just isn't. You know, the final race, as far as I can remember with Damon, he parked his Jordan at Spoon at Suzuka because he was done. Um, Danny is trying hard. Uh, we've all got a lot of time for Danny Rick. He, we hope he, he gets to the bottom of it. There's no doubt that he has been done over by Lando completely. Um, and no one expected the, the, the gap to be there. But I don't think Danny's given up, which is what Damon had definitely done in 99. Yeah, no, I agreed. It's... He's done a lot of damage to Danny's, like, well, people's opinion of Danny to Danny's reputation. But yeah, he's he's still definitely trying. And I'd be amazed even whether he decides to call it quits with McLaren at the end of this year or sees out the contracts at the end of next year. There's, I would be amazed if no one takes him on. Like he's proven how good he can be on, in the right car, just for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to be working in the McLaren. So he would get another another drive somewhere else. This is not the end of his career, surely. Well, he's a, he's a marketing dream, isn't he? So, yeah, I would also be very surprised. There have also been links to Aston Martin potentially for next season, but there's a few other narratives that are quite interesting coming into the weekend as well. Sergio Perez could be the first repeat winner in Baku, and uh, also if he were to do that, it would make the championship race even more interesting than that has already become with that i guess conflict that is potentially brewing at red bull and yeah it's it's definitely one to watch ferrari have a couple of tents in their pocket apparently as well so it'll be interesting to see if they can get back to winning form it's yeah it's, it's one of those tracks where you can either go high downforce or low downforce and set up so how that will factor in with obviously we know the Red Bull is a much quicker car on the straight. So there's lots of different factors to unpick. Um, what are you guys looking forward to? Seeing what Perez does this weekend, because this is the, the he this is, I believe, that was his first race win for Red Bull last year at this track. You know, he knows how to win or he knows how to race down around here and look after his tires. And this, you know, this is a race of attrition. This race is always crazy. It's never produced a dull race as far as I can remember. So getting just getting to the end in itself is so important. And I think, I, I, I don't know who's going to win it. You know, if you've got Ferrari bringing more upgrades in, as you say, Red Bull being faster on the straights, I don't, I can't call it who's going to, who the favourite is for this weekend. I don't think we're going to know until we get to the end of second practice personally. Yeah, I think with the, the unknown of these new cars, we don't really know coming into any weekend really who's going to be favourite. It seems to, yeah, the pendulum swings each time and not really in the way that people have even predicted. We know the characteristics a bit of the car, but there's still so much to gain in the understanding of them. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on Perez. I mean, yeah, Checo has, he's got a great record around Baku. Even before he was at Red Bull, he had a couple of podiums there. And yeah, it would make it a three-way three way race for the, the Zizel lead. And who would have thought that at the start of the year, you'd have assumed number three and that was Sainz. I feel for, for Carlos Sainz because Sergio being up in that battle makes him look worse by, like, by extension. And it's already a difficult situation for him at the moment because he would have been hoping to be challenging Charles as a kind of equal 
in the team, and that just hasn't happened this year at Ferrari. But moving on to F2, which we also have this weekend, there's quite a few interesting narratives um, that are starting to develop this year. Filippo Drogovic has been utterly dominant so far this year, and he is someone who's not attached to a driver academy. So that, of course, means there's not necessarily that level of security that some others uh, you know, kind of enjoy in F2 and F3. And last week, last time out in Monaco, we actually saw him win in a different way to how he usually does. Usually when he wins, it's, yeah, utterly dominant. But he held off Teo Porcher to win the feature race. And Teo Porcher is second in the championship. And he's a Sauber driver. He's had an interesting week as well. He did some of the testing for Formula E for their Gen 3 car. And there have now been reports coming out that he's potentially linked with a drive in Formula E with Nissan which he came out on Twitter, wasn't very happy about it seemingly, called it fake news. So, there's, and that's only just a couple of the kind of narratives. Uh, are you guys going to be uh, watching it as well as the F1? Definitely. I want to see how Teo's going to do this weekend because he needs a good result. Uh, he, he he came very close to winning at Monaco, but track position is, in the Monaco is everything. Uh, so he couldn't get past Felipe. So I I do think that he needs to get a grip on it soon. Otherwise, the, the championship might slip away from him. And I, he is in the race for that for that Sauber seat next. Well, sorry, the Alfa Romeo seat, well, the Sauber, Sauber Academy, but the Alfa Romeo seat. He's in the running for it. Yeah, he's got Fred Vasseur very much on his side. Um, he needs to keep the momentum going, and I think he needs to try and maybe win one at least one at least one of the races this weekend to stand a, a chance of the championship. One driver to watch though will be Yuri Vips, who won one of the sprint races and the feature race here last year. So he clearly likes it. He's currently sitting fifth in the championship and will be looking to kind of gain a bit of momentum just ahead of Vips in the championship. You've got J.N. Deruvla and Marcus Armstrong. J.N. Deruvla is also a member of the Red Bull Drive Academy along with Yuri Vips. And we're getting to that stage of the year where it's really, really important for them to be showing their worth and that they can take the step up. Yuri Vips has had a free practice one outing but it's starting starting to look a little bit like it's going to be all for naught, at least for 2023, because it has been kind of, there are murmurings that Sonoda and Gasly have both been confirmed now at Alpha Tower for 2023. That's a whole other conversation itself in terms of Gasly, where does he go? Because obviously Perez is now locked in until 2024 at Red Bull. Do you think... Gasly has to go elsewhere. Do you think he'll stay past his contracts in 2023? I reckon he'll go. And I reckon he'll go to McLaren, is my view. Yeah, he's got to go somewhere, hasn't he? And yeah, McLaren could certainly be it. I'm surprised that he will stay on another year. You'd think this seems like it's been a long time now that he's just been kicking around AlphaTauri. He's not had the best start to the year. He's had a lot of bad luck. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. So Gasly is another thing he's been up to this year is getting uh, involved in Jewelry Gate, one of Mohammed Ben Salem's pet peeves, and he has made some comments in a recent interview. It was a wide-ranging interview covering a broad selection of topics, but the one that has drawn the most attention was his take on some of the driver's activism and extracurricular activities. Asked what he thought the sport should not become, he said, Nicky Lauda and Alan Prost only cared about driving. Now Vettel drives a rainbow bicycle, Lewis is passionate about human rights, and Norris addresses mental health. 
Everybody has the right to think. To me, it is about deciding whether we should impose our beliefs in something over the sport all the time. I'm from an Arabian culture. I'm international and Muslim. I do not impose my beliefs on other people. So it's an interesting one. (laughs) It certainly risks alienating the FIA further at a time when F1 is supposedly thinking about trying to, to cut them away from the sport entirely. What's your take on it? Is that is that a hot take from the FIA president? I wouldn't even say it's a hot take. I think it's just clumsy. Like it's just, yeah. yeah. To, to, and I, I think we need to caveat this or kind of take some of this interview with a pinch of salt because I read the write up, and it it it. I don't want to be critical, but it was it wasn't the best piece of journalism I've ever read. It was quite difficult to follow. I'm not a hundred percent confident in some of the translations if the interview was conducted in a in a foreign language mm. so some of this stuff may have been taken out of context or being misconstrued but to say that someone's passionate about human rights and that we shouldn't and in the same breath say that we shouldn't be getting political human rights aren't political or they shouldn't be political surely yeah and so he's called out some examples that just kind of jar a little bit it's clumsy it's it's yeah you've got to adapt, you've got to evolve. And that's something he's also said is that we have to kind of, we can't just stay in the past in terms of how the sport runs, how it operates. We need to adapt. And this is part of being an athlete in the 21st century. I I mean, I'm totally with you because Lando has done such work for the younger generation's mental health and has really given it a platform which has now exploded uh, across the world. And that's, that's something that's only done good uh, as you say, with Lewis Hamilton, with human rights, they should not be political at all. That's not something that should, that should ever change. And, you know, the FIA, uh, uh, they're quoting drivers from 30, 40 years ago who lived in a very different world with very different ideals and very different viewpoints. And that is only ever going to continue to change. Also, yeah, talking about Prost and Lauda, like, Nicky knew as well as anyone that there was more to life than driving. He pulled out of the title decider in 1976 and parked it because his life was more important than driving. So Netflix are in the running at the moment to take over the streaming rights for Formula One in the US market. Now, this could have huge repercussions throughout the world for Formula One, in my view, because Netflix are in a bit of trouble right now. Then they're losing subscribers. Uh, They are pretty much dipping money, cancelling shows. And I think... If they are if they're able to make Formula One work for them, it will cause a lot of problems in the UN, in, in the world market. Formula One has been stuck behind a paywall now in the in the UK for what just over ten years now. If the US use Netflix from twenty twenty three, Sky will be looking over their shoulder quite seriously. I don't know what you guys think about that. There's a few different things to consider here, right? First of all, Netflix isn't profitable. It's never been profitable. And F1 is going to be incredibly expensive for them to secure. So if they don't bring in the, that audience, I mean, they're, they're surely, that's that's going to spell big trouble, even bigger trouble for them than they're already in. Also, what concerns me is, we've already spoken a lot about over the last six months, the Netflixification of Formula One and the effect that that's had. Drive to Survive has been incredibly important for the sport 
in many different ways. It's opened the sport up to a whole new audience and it's really become you know, symbolic of the sport. Lots of people think Drive to Survive as soon as you say Formula One. But if you've got a company that is responsible for a, let's face it, a semi-factual entertainment show based on a sport, also trying to get objective coverage, I feel like there's kind of, you're crossing lines there. And also just from a kind of how would that work point of view, if it's live, I guess they just will stream it live from your Netflix account. I assume they can do that. Yeah, I, I don't think, as far as I know, Netflix have any live streaming stuff that I've ever seen. But I guess that's what they're trying to branch into. And yeah, maybe they think they can kill two birds with one stone by, you know, uh, they're already there filming for F1. So maybe they just, you know, they would just go through the highlights reel to to make the next season of Drive to Survive. They're already filming it. But yeah. It's definitely going to be expensive for them because it's billions, isn't it, each contract? I mean, one thing that uh, is really going to be uh, interesting now is uh, F1 Manager 2022. We saw the launch trailer, and I suspect that Netflix would probably use that for inspiration, maybe for Drive to Survive as well going forward. Uh, for millennials, you know, for us, you know, we grew up on Grand Prix Managers, the Grand Prix Manager games, and they were awesome. They had everything. They had the terrible music combined with some car sounds. Uh, truly terrible animations, but it was brilliant to play. And we've been wanting for about 20 years a decent manager simulator for Formula One. It's something that's been really been missing. Uh, we've got it. it from, from, from the looks of the trailer, you can do everything from keeping an eye on your sponsors uh, to going into really high-level details about ordering parts for your car. Uh, and just to give that extra sense of realism, you've got really cool broadcast shots uh you know of the, of the of the grid in the race and then just to give that extra layer of realism you've also got real uh i say real life but you have authentic radio calls and responses from all the drivers built into the game as well so every time you make a decision it's something that fernando alonso has said to his race engineer and vice versa so it's going to be a you know it's going to take a long time to play um, I think the difference between F1 22 and F1 Manager 22 are quite big. They're for two different, for two different uh, audiences. But I can't wait to play both. Bring it on. I'm, I'm interested to see who's going to win this. Yeah, I, I mean, Manager games eat your time more than almost anything else. You'll lose entire days if you get like too deep into it, definitely. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to, to have a look at it. I don't know if I have the time to fully commit to it, but I'm definitely tempted. I am so excited about this game. I've been waiting for, much like other James, 20 years for a fully licensed F1 manager game. I'm, in fact, hopefully going to be moving in the next few months. And I'm quite tempted to make sure that we have like a kind of bar, like set up in the kitchen so that I could maybe get some TVs and like install them up and I can sit there like it's the, the pit wall just for that real kind of authentic experience. I'm yeah, that excited. Sit, sit on a bar stool, tapping your foot like Christian Horner. Definitely. Drinking Red Bulls and getting absolutely buzzed. I think one thing I'm looking forward to about the game as well is for a, you know, just for a standard F1 game, you tend to do not a quick race, but maybe 25, 50% of the, of the, of the distance. I am willing to bet money that most of us will do 100% race distances with this game just to see how deep you can go. 
I mean, as you, as, you, as you say, other James, you lose a lot of time playing manager games. And this one, I think, is just going to eat us all alive. I can't wait. But also, like, if you factor in <laughs> FP1, FP2, FP3 qualifying, any red flags there might be, <laughs> oh, my girlfriend's going to hate it. She's going to absolutely hate it. Put it this way, it's your winter. It's your winter, it's your winter taken care of. As soon as the Formula 1 season ends, just crack over an F1 manager, you can do a full race weekend over the winter. We haven't even actually yet said the release date. James, as, as you're leading on this one, take it away. You're right, we haven't. It is released on the 25th of August. Which is a Thursday heading into a bank holiday in the UK. So I'm going to be booking the Thursday and Friday off work. I may well do it's, <laughs> it's also the Belgian Grand Prix that weekend as well. So it's going to be a great time. I'm, I'm already wishing the summer away. Just in between sessions doing the... Uh... The, ne- the relative session you go and do the Belgian Grand Prix in your career practice one then practice one then practice two then practice two and then your girlfriend will leave you but you know you'll have something to do after she does <laughs> she doesn't need any more ammo to leave me but I feel like how much ammo my girlfriend has to leave me is probably a good place to wrap it up for the week so that is all about time we've got to cover the news today thank you very much James's plural for joining me it's been a pleasure how have you both found it good fun as always yeah always a pleasure to hang out with you guys and chat to crap about f1 absolutely and uh, you can follow us on social media on twitter instagram tiktok and of course our facebook group um the name is formula nerds uh, as if you didn't know that already and also our website for all our written content formulanerds.com check us out there thank you very much until next time bye so can I just say you messed up that sentence again didn't you the same thing that that's all we've got time for I think <laughs> oh maybe I think you did I'm going to leave it in I'll just copy and paste my uh, my mocking from last time <laughs> oh I yeah I need to start writing it down Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Ron and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Brophy. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Podcast Network.